0: Welcome to Small Bites Radio with Donato Marino and Derek
1: Tim We hope you're hungry
2: for you. Nothing for you. Nothing for you. Feed me more. Long as I can have you here
3: with me. That my travel be forever in blue
1: jeans
4: bay. Welcome everybody to Wildfire Radio Small Bites. I'm Donato Marino with DNL being the barista service, co-owner of Tarbish Tune and Falcroft on Chester Pike. And course, Derek is not in the studio. He's out traveling the world and enjoying life. Uh, to start off the show, we're going to be tr- introducing John Howard Fusco, Courier Post nightlife correspondent, New York Times recognized blogger uh, for the South Jersey. Hello, John.
2: Good evening, guys. How you all doing?
4: Great, great. Good,
2: good. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about Gabby. Gabby is a new French café on North Broad Street from the folks that run Bistro La Minette. The opening date for the new café is tomorrow, November 4th. Uh, Eater Philly reports that the menu is decidedly French. Items on the menu include escargot in roasted garlic parsley butter, de confit, and creme brûlée, as well as French cocktails at the bar. So again, that's Gabby. That's a new French café that's opening tomorrow on North Broad. Uh, Mamom South Street is a is coming later this month, according to Philly Mag. Folks at Malam's Kitchen in Bridesburg are opening a new location, which will offer their popular pierogies and other Polish fare on South Street, and they'll be offering late-night dining as well. Uh, Plenty Cafe is no more, according to Eater Philly and the Inquirer. They reported that the last day of service for Plenty Cafe at all their locations was October 27th. Uh, they had three locations in East Pass Junk, Rittenhouse, and Queen Village. On the Jersey side, uh, our friend Matt at NJ Penn reported this past week that a new specialty market in Collingswood will be opening in December. The new venture is called Haddon Culinary, and will be driven by two chefs, James Leuza and Joel Muldoon. And then our friend Mark from 42 Freeway reported this last past week that Bistro Di Marino is opening a new location in Sewell. The new location should be open late November. So these articles and more from the past week in the Philly Food Scene will be posted on my blog and shared on Twitter at jersey and as always, hashtag SmallBitesRadio.
4: All right, John, thank you very much for that insight. Uh, All right, guys, have a good night. You too. Well, we're going to have an interesting show today. Uh, we have Beth, Chef Beth Esposito from Pink Garlic Catering, correct?
3: Private events. Private yes. events,
4: yes. So, Beth. Um, Hi, everybody. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the, how Pink Garlic got started and
3: how the and, whole uh, company got started? Well, the company, Pink Garlic, it's an umbrella of everything that I do. Um, I originally was a chef coming up, opening 18 restaurants as an executive chef. Through that, I got customers, clients that wanted me to come to their home and do specialty events for them. So it kind of got pushed in that light. So that's primarily 50% of the business at the moment. But also, I revamp and re-identify failing restaurants. And then I also do food concepts for TV and TV personality.
4: I heard you were on the Food Network at
3: I was. one time. I was. How did I you I very much was. I actually did the proof of concept, a, not necessarily a pilot show, but a proof of concept for house um, Media. And once the show was put together and actually formulated, then it was picked up by Food Network, and then I got asked to come back to compete. So how'd so, you
4: do? People well, want to know. Well, if you didn't know. see
3: it, I mean, Season 1, Episode 2, Mac and Cheese Challenge, but... I can't tell the ending if you didn't see it.
4: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> all right, all right.
4: Secretive, secretive, secretive. I yes. guess you won. I, don't, I, I, don't would, guess I, mean. I would hope she did.
3: <laughs> well, I was pretty much a mole for that show, let me put it that way.
4: <laughs> well, I know I've known you for a long time, Beth. Yes, you I've have. I've seen you. Very, very yeah, long time. Yeah, I've seen you uh, develop and hone your skills and very impressed. And, Thank uh, you so much. And I heard you have a, a concept. For, it's Four year old concept, yes, but uh, starting to take off with it is very much so. The savory cake, yeah,
3: yeah. It actually had a a, started out at Thanksgiving time. Um, a friend of mine at one of the clubs, because I was also in the gentleman club industry to revamp the lifestyle food inside of a gentleman's club, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, she it was her birthday, she said she wanted a cake, but she didn't like anything sweet. And then I was like, Well, what's your favorite dinner? She was like, Chicken. But you know what? I like Thanksgiving, so I'm like, no problem. The next day I came in, and they're the Thanksgiving savory cake. So what it is, it's an actual, it looks like a strawberry shortcake, but it actually is a full Thanksgiving meal within a cake. So it's homemade stuffing, snipped beans, roasted uh, garlic, you know, roasted corn off the husk. Um, the turkey, obviously, it's wrapped in mashed potatoes and topped with a star anise cranberry sauce. But... Everybody needs a wishbone, obviously, for Thanksgiving. So I came up with the idea, because obviously you can't do one turkey for each cake. I came up with the idea of putting chocolate, making a chocolate wishbone, but adding turkey gravy to the chocolate. (laughs) So everybody at least gets a little piece at the end, but it does come with a quart of gravy as well. But it's been a great seller, but it's got three new friends in that family. We have the turkey bombs, which are... The same exact concept, but they're breaded and deep fried with the cranberry mayo, which are absolutely delicious. And then we also have the savory cupcakes, which is a smaller version of the savory Thanksgiving savory cake. But this year, it came out just yesterday, actually, is the Thanksgiving turkey roll. And that's a deep fried egg roll. And it's stuffed with cornbread stuffing, sweet potatoes, mac and cheese, turkey, and it has a sweet maple corn dipping sauce. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. the new addition. That's the new baby.
4: Sounds like a nice Thanksgiving meal.
3: Yes, it is.
1: Can I just say that if you follow Beth on whether Instagram, Facebook, or Pink Garlic, I don't care how jaded you are about food, you'll be amazed. Like, like every time she
4: Thanks, posts Jim. something,
1: it's just like your jaw it, drops,
4: m- mouth watering. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I saw them. Um, <laughs> you
1: just had the ones with the truffles.
3: Yeah, we did. it I bought some <laughs> truffles, was, and we did a ooh. dinner at a friend's house. It was it was pretty fantastic. Pretty much every
1: time I see something, I, I say the same thing. Are you <laughs> Kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah
4: same here, But in same a good here. way,
1: like
3: that's yeah. great. Yeah. Now, that's great. I, Thank also, you for that.
4: Yeah, I also know you're you're involved in a lot of fundraising for yes. your, your friends as well. I am. Um,
3: do you mind if I, I mention them? More than happy you don't for mind you to mention it. Well, the first one is it's called Debbie's Friends Fund Drink for Pink, which comes every October that we do at Chickie and Pete's Play Two, and it's a one time a year. It's one of our it's the biggest, actually, fundraiser for breast cancer, and it, we do not donate the money to anybody else but people within our neighborhood, so we know exactly what every dollar or who, where every dollar goes to and who it goes to, and it's posted that everybody can see, so everybody knows where the money's at. So basically, everybody is a volunteer for that, and we raise quite a bit of money and help a lot of people out through the year. For breast cancer, and my friend Cherise Passerina, she is the, fa- the one of the co-founders for that. It was her mother, Debbie. She passed away when she was forty of breast cancer, so that's what we do it in her name. So yeah, it's a I've great been, cause.
4: Yeah, I've been to, I've been to a few of them. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. a few baskets. Yeah, for and them thank for you then. to
3: everybody who donates and supports us every year for that. Oh,
4: that's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah,
3: and the second one is the Sunday Love Project. My friend Margot Murphy, she is a friend of mine that had started, you know, pretty much. Dishing out soup on, in on the street in near City Hall, and now she has. Oh my! She goes to Kensington a lot. She, you know, feeds addicts and so on and so forth, and helps a lot of people to get in recovery and helps them on a daily basis. Just in life in general, she's almost like a twenty four seven nurse for pretty much the homeless in that lifestyle. And also, um, she has a church that she does a free market. And also serves dinner three times a week and breakfast for them. Busy girl. Very busy, and she's fantastic.
4: Yeah, with the with the uh, opioid crisis that we have today, uh, everything helps. Yes. These uh, poor, I say poor individuals. Was my brother was. We know everybody knows somebody.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. uh, End up passing away from it, but
3: unfortunately,
4: yes, yes. And also uh, if you want to give some social media, Beth, on how to get in touch with you.
3: Yeah, sure. You could get in touch with me at Beth Esposito on Facebook or Pink Garlic on Facebook, Instagram at Chef Beth01, or PinkGarlicbeth at AOL.com.
4: Very good. Awesome. I wanna want ask you one more thing yes. before you before I asked you for a social media, but um, what is the future for, the for future Beth for, Esposito?
3: For Beth Esposito. Well, hopefully, um, we will be, I will personally be landing somewhere undisclosed at the moment, whether it be a restaurant or a marketplace. That's what I'll give. I don't like to talk about things before they actually happen, but either one of those two will be in the future for me and for my company and the, my staff that works for me, which they work very hard and without them, I wouldn't be here, especially for my clients and people like here that yeah. I'm sitting at the table with that push me in always a great direction. And I appreciate it.
4: That's nice. Sounds like a mouthful. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rassen Studio, we have for today. We also have Bill Zimmerman from Philly Bites Magazine. How you doing? Hey, Bill. I know you're a man of many words. <laughs> I've sat next to you plenty of times and shared a few... A few words. Saving the world words. Well, we mostly eat when we get together. Yes. <laughs> so, so, Philly
5: Bites Magazine. Give us a little bit of insight on that. Well, Philly White Magazine started uh, probably about four years ago. Uh, My wife wanted to be a blogger, Um, so we had another website that was more national, Um, decided to build something that was more local. Uh, I think she's written um, half a paragraph so far. So it really didn't work out with her as a blogging website, and we turned it from that into the magazine. Uh, We started to get local bloggers to get involved. Uh, Currently, we have about 30 different bloggers, writers, um, people that do anything from entertainment writing to sports writing. So we've sort of branched out from the food idea. Uh, We include a lot of theater now. Um, We're doing a lot of what's happening. And we, over the years, have made a lot of big connections with the different PR companies in Philadelphia. So we currently work with about 12 or 13 different PR companies. We've also branched out to work um, outside of Philadelphia. So we've done some work for the PGA Tour. Uh, We've gone down to Florida. Uh, We've gone down to the Poconos. We've been in Texas. So we've been um, sort of expanding out of the Philadelphia region and becoming a little more national. Uh, And that's especially prevalent in the East Coast. We're now the number... Fourteen top uh, food magazine online for the East Coast. So, Congratulations! That's
3: awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so
5: so we're, we're we're really expanding. We um we actually last night had to up upgrade our servers and add some more CPUs because we were busted the old one up. Um, so that's sort of where we're we're going. We're just expanding. We're trying to grow. Uh, we're trying to upgrade all the the servers. We're trying to get more bloggers in. Um, and you know we we're just trying to get this idea that Philadelphia is a great place to eat, a great place to live, uh, and we want to get that voice from the small blogger out, and that's how we we, we, we basically started and and operate. Um, and through that we've sort of grown, and we're getting a lot of a lot of accolades over it, but we are. Also, um, giving these individuals that like to write an opportunity so they can't necessarily write for the Enquirer, They can't really uh, get in their door with uh, Billy Penn, some of the other sites. So we're sort of giving them that, that voice so they can get that writing out there. Uh, and we've been pretty successful in getting a couple of people that got jobs because they got their voice out. You're like a mentor. A
4: mentor to the to the small bloggers that are trying to make a name for themselves.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We're we're um we're you know, attempting to make it something that the people of Philadelphia get involved with it. So the local individuals get involved. And it's kinda tough because we have a lot of people nationally that want to get involved now. Uh but we're sorta trying to just keep that local. You're getting recognized as as a as
4: a force. Yep. That sounds very good very good um excuse me a minute uh so i understand you also now do indie philly radio if i pronounce that correctly
5: yeah so small bites is on uh every monday at 11 o'clock um we also have dining on a dime that comes on at 11 o'clock on tuesday wednesday thursday and friday um And the entire idea of Indie Philly Radio was that we wanted another medium, so we recognized that internet radio was becoming popular, um, and that that could be another medium for us to sort of get this message out, um, and to help um, specifically local podcasters to to get on the radio, um, have a set time, um, and also, I love the 80s, so... There wasn't a lot of, there's really not a lot of stations, two or three in Philadelphia. So we went with an 80s platform and everybody seems to uh, like that. But, um, you know, we, we wanted to sort of build Indie Philly radio together with uh, Philly Byte magazine and sort of have them uh, sort of work against each other. So uh, Philly Byte gets a lot of the visitors for the radio and the radio helps fuel a lot of visitors into the uh, website. Yeah, that's very nice. Um, what I was
4: thinking is that uh, what's what's the advantage of doing a pod, Philly Body podcast platform consider, compared to a regular radio platform?
5: Well, we give, you know, there, there's a lot of individuals that don't necessarily want to go on the web and read what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are listening in on the radio. There's a lot of people that have it on at uh, work. So a lot of the food shows that we put on, we put on at around 11 o'clock. So you can listen in. You can decide where you want to go eat. Uh, If you hear something neat on the radio or on the show that that day, you can go check it out. Um, But the other thing is it also helps us with the advertisement. Um, So if I just tell you that I can advertise you on the website, and put you on the magazine. Also, if I'm able to throw in that advertisement on the radio, it sort of makes it a, a sweeter pot for the individual. Plus, it helps get an individual's message out a little better.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you get more of a media coverage, broadband coverage of, of uh,
5: one ad. Yeah. Yeah. We can get you on social media, we can get you on the, the magazine. We can get you on the web, and we can get you on, on, on the radio at the same time.
4: Okay. Do you know of any uh, new uh, uh, restaurants or cafes or events that are coming up that you like to share with some of the
5: people listening? Well, Philadelphia is uh, now getting ready for Christmas a little way too early. Um, so uh, downtown, you're going to see uh, Love Park start to open up uh, with their Christmas village. And then the holiday market at Dilworth, is going to open up pretty soon. They already have the rink up. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we're starting to see this season is that everybody jumped from Halloween and skipped over Thanksgiving and we're now, like, invading Christmas. Uh, Stay so, in your lane, Santa. Yeah. Stay in yeah. your lane. We, we, we had just put an Instagram post about <laughs> that. And, um, you know, uh, even some of the uh, bars, uh, Tinsel – became the Halloween themed tinsel, the nightmare between Before, tinsel. Yeah. And White did and then, a great job in that. Yeah, and then and, and then Haunt opened up, but now you know they're 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 turning these things over for uh, Christmas. Um and even a lot of the submissions of articles that we're getting, uh it's it, it seems like everybody's just getting into the holiday season now.
4: Yeah. Uh I've been to Tinsel last year for the first time and I I think it was Put together very well with the
5: Yeah, we I remember drinking signature. a lot of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the signature
4: uh Christmas ornaments. Yeah, the uh, boot. The boot. Yeah, with the uh I what was in that? Unless I must have had too much of them. This year the
3: <laughs> Halloween had a blood bag. Blood bag? Yeah. And White is the designer for that for tinsel and the Halloween st- the Halloween nightmare before right. tinsel. And the drinks are always great.
4: Yeah. Mm johnny walker no yeah. I, don't, I don't remember i don't remember what was in it
1: that means it was a good drink <laughs> can't remember um okay um
4: i hate that air time i hate that air time um all right bill uh would you like to give any uh social media or anything to well, your we are her?
5: we are at all philly bike so if you just put Philly Bite at Philly Bite, doesn't matter what you're getting on, um, we got you covered with Philly Bite.
4: Okay, all right. Now, last but not least, Jim Hanson, the
3: man, I
4: the man, the myth,
1: the
3: legend, the legend, the biscuit maker, <laughs> the biscuit. You better maker. hand over his biscuits. <laughs> Do not
1: burn the biscuits.
5: <laughs> biscuits he made me shrimp. I did. I threw. I literally
1: threw shrimp into Bill's mouth when he came to Rob sushi. It's like what, what they do with yeah, the like hibachi? You know, like yeah, hibachi. I just threw it. And he got it. It was it was pretty impressive. So,
4: tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, yeah.
1: Why am I here? I mean, that's the question because I'm not— Because you're I def- awesome. I definitely. I mean, I definitely don't have the chops that Chef Beth has. But <laughs> so, <clears throat> pork <but> chops. There's <laughs> pork chops. Yeah. But there. I mean. And, and, like, sometimes because I work at Royal Boucherie, people like, oh, where where did you go to culinary school? And the, the answer is I didn't. Uh, when I was 12, both of my parents worked, and I would come home, and there'd be a note on the refrigerator uh, what to make for dinner or make something for dinner. Mm-hmm. And it was like an episode of Chopped, except uh, it was always with hamburger. <laughs> um, yeah, hamburgers are a good staple. I mean, I, I there's so much I mean, if you I can do the hamburger. Uh yeah, it was just my sister and I and I would just cook for her and uh and I so I I always stayed in the the restaurant industry. Never never had the guts to like be a chef. But uh uh you know, I worked as I was a bakery manager for Pathmark for for 25 years and I've bartended and waited tables at you know uh, the the crappy chain restaurants. Um so you, so you put your dues in. I put my dues. I got I earned my stripes. Um, and then uh you know maybe I would say like 15 years ago, you know, and I was like a, a suburban dad and I you know I I hated driving into the city. I would white knuckle it every time I would have to come in to go to like uh Franklin Institute or something. And, uh, you know, I had a comfortable, not, you know, safe life. And then, uh, everything started to kind of fall apart. I, you know, my marriage broke up and, and, uh, Pathmark closed down and I lost my job. And, you know, even though there are uh, plenty of bridges in Philadelphia that I could have jumped off of, I, I decided to do something, uh, out of my, I decided to do things out of my comfort zone. And I, I took a job at Grubhouse, uh, uh, to be a chef and, uh, and I, there's a movie, uh, a lot of people don't remember it. Uh, Jim Carrey, it was called Yes Man. And the basic premise of the movie Yes Man was that he was not allowed to say, or he had to say yes to anything yeah. he ever asked. And it kind of forced him to do different things. And I didn't say yes to everything at this time, but I definitely made decisions outside of my comfort zone. And uh, it's definitely, it's put me where I am today. And it's it's definitely been a positive in my life. Um, yeah. And, uh <clears throat> You know, and and not just uh, uh, professionally with the the cooking. Like, do you want to do stand up comedy? Okay. Like, I was the kid in school that would like shake when I had to give an oral report. But I, you know, I got up and on stage and did did that. And then uh, actually, that uh, that thinking led me to meet Chef Beth because I saw that they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that they were doing wing bowl. You met me
3: through Wing Bowl. (laughs) Wing Bowl,
1: and. uh, I'd never, I mean, I'm a big guy, but I've never eaten competitively, but I saw the thing and just thought, oh, that might be funny. And I did it and it was pretty cool. And, uh, I got to best showed me the kitchen in that place and it was amazing. Uh, I was amazed what what she was doing in there. And, uh, yeah, it was just another one, another thing. And, and I, I like to write as well. And I've, a lot of times I, I ask myself, doesn't matter if it's scary or whatever i'm like if, even if it fails miserably i'll have some funny story to write about afterwards so
3: absolutely <laughs> check out the signs at royal bougerie uh, behind yeah. the roll bar
1: <laughs> now where's royal Bougerie? royal bougie, bougie, uh, bougie. Uh, if you're a, a, a fan of the philly restaurant scene uh, one of the one of the stars is nick elmy um he he won uh, season 11 of top chef Uh, he owns a restaurant called Laurel, which is, you know, one of the, one of the better restaurants in the city. Uh, and one, he has a couple other ones and and one of his restaurants is Royal Boucherie. He opened, it's kind of like Laurel, but it's a little more accessible. You don't have to to go on a waiting list for eight months before you can get in. And so I worked the raw bar there. Um, that's another thing, like, uh, when he asked me if I needed a job, I said, yeah. And uh, he goes, did you ever work raw bar? And I'm too dumb and old to lie anymore. So I was like, no, I never did. So I, I'm, just, I'm, like, YouTubing how to Oyster, shuck oysters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's not that difficult, and I was able to do it. Okay. Um, well, we have a call-in
4: coming in. Um, uh, Chef Robert Newton. Chef, how are you? Yeah, hello. Yes, how are you? you? Thanks for having me. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at the book that you have written. I think it's very well put together, and the the recipes for Southern cooking. How did you uh, come about writing that kind of book?
0: Um, I'm from the South, and I had restaurants in New York, Brooklyn, and the first restaurant I had was a southern restaurant. And I used to approach menu writing in that same format of trying to stay regional. And I didn't see the south as one whole big um, one big thing. I saw it in more individual regions. And so the idea was sort of hatched there. Um, and I also took a lot of inspiration from where I thought Italian food was in the 80s. Um, I don't think a lot of people were thinking about the regionality of Italian food, except for maybe Marcelo Hazan. But the common notion was it was spaghetti, meatballs, and things like that. And now we know much more about Italian cuisine. We're much more educated, and it's much more regional. And I think Southern food can um, play in that same field.
4: Yeah, I saw you broke up the Southern, the five different regions. Um,
0: Correct, yeah. That's sort of the crux of the book.
4: What... uh... What made you, di- di- what made you divide five different regions? What, what cultures or what, food or related items in those regions, uh, made them unique?
0: Well, I just taking my own personal story. Like I'm from northern Arkansas in the Ozarks, and when we talk about what goes on there, and then if you had another kid growing up in Charleston, South Carolina they would both be in the South, but they would have very different culinary experiences. So it's kind of going back to my point about breaking it up from menu writing in my own personal instance in in Brooklyn, but also just taking a look at a region and a cuisine and just helping to push the narrative forward about subdividing it, talking about it more, explaining it more, understanding it more deeply. And I think this regionality sort of conversation helps that. And the way I broke it up was... um, the Upper South to me is is more mountainous, it's more green, um, it's landlocked, the Deep South is a little bit hotter, although they're neighbors, it's a little bit different, Um, and then you have the Gulf Coast, which is basically below I-10, going west to east from Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and northern Florida, Um, that's obviously very coastal and very seafood influenced, and then Low Country Cuisine, um, Georgia and South Carolina, that's Pretty, pretty well defined and it's one of the reasons people probably know a lot about because of the popularity of the region and then tidewater coastal plains is uh, essentially coastal um virginia and north carolina going into the piedmont region uh which is to say moving west up, up to the appalachian mountains that's sort of how i see it and how i laid it out
4: okay it's a good uh, <clears throat> way to separate the um uh... Individuals. Like, I was going through your book, and I see that um, I like the way you uh, celebrate the diversity of the South with all the different foods and the way they're separated. Um, and the, the book is put together where an amateur like me could whip up a good meal uh, for the family. Um, yeah,
0: that's. I'm equally as passionate about that. I mean, I, I wanted to lay the groundwork for who was there historically in these regions as much as I can. I'm not a historian, I'm a chef first and foremost, but an equally passionate part of what I like to do is explore immigration patterns that are there now, who those immigrants are and, you know, see how their influence might be had on Southern cuisine as it goes forward. Because for me growing up, I didn't know tremendous minutes about tacos, for example, outside of Taco Bell. In any city of any size in the South, there's at the very least some type of taco truck, and there's probably a Latino community where they have supermercados and, and many different restaurants from Honduran to Guatemala and, and on and on, and the same can be said for Vietnamese food. I had no clue what a banh mi was until I was probably, I don't know, 25, but I think it's much more in the vernacular and, and children and um, their families. If they want to go out and do something fun, the banh mi is not that much of a of foreign notion. And there's also a very fine line between a po' boy and a bond. You know, they're, they're obviously connected by the French and, um, in Louisiana and Mississippi for that matter, they're called, um, Vietnamese po' boys. So there's already sort of a cross pollination going on there of those two in particular in the Gulf.
4: Yeah. I think, of all, Vietnamese. yeah, I think that the with the United States being a, a melting pot for, uh, immigrants, that uh, the influence of immigrants into this country, even in the South, I'm sure shaped the uh, the food, uh, the food network, or the food influence of the of what started until what it is today.
1: I know when uh, I used to be a bakery manager, and uh, there'd be a Vietnamese community. They would come in and buy the baguettes every morning, and at that time I was young and I was ignorant, and I was like usually they don't have bread and Chinese food. And then I, you know, then I learn about like what the banh mi is (laughs) and and why they're there buying the baguettes at like seven in the morning.
5: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and and Philadelphia is just a a large group of neighborhoods of multiple ethnicities and we have multiple types of foods and ethnicities that are just coming together here. So, you know, we, we sort of see what you're looking at in the South congregating here in the Philadelphia region.
4: Yeah, the influence, uh, like I said, the influence is very, very big. Uh, Of all the different regions, uh, Chef, which region do you prefer the food from the best?
0: Oh, man, that's that's, that's a necessary question, I suppose, but really difficult. Um, Of course, I'm partial to the Upper South because that's where I'm from. Um, But for the things that I'm tremendously interested in, um, I think it's hard to beat the Gulf Coast with the Vietnamese influence and uh the Honduran influence and uh New Orleans and Mobile. It's a really um really dynamic region. A lot of Creole influence, obviously. Um I can kind of never tire of eating in New Orleans. I think it's an amazing city. It's can we call it a tie? Those would be my two favorite together.
4: Mm. So, when you go to New Orleans, what's the the go to food when you get there? I'm not to put you on a spot or anything.
0: Well, yeah, if you have no, it's cool. If you have time, um, if you don't mind a two hour wait if you get there early and then go next door. I mean, Galapars is a historic, historic, wonderful place to have to wait a couple hours for lunch and then have a two and a half to three hour lunch if you can swing all that. It's it's a wonderful experience. You don't even really get a menu; you just talk it over and the servers know what they have, and they just kind of guide you through it. It's really amazing. And then if you're adventurers like me, I like to get up on Saturday mornings. If uh, you go way out east off of Chef Tour Highway, there's a really legit, kind of small, but very, very legit Vietnamese farmer's market, um, and they have all their things laid out on the ground at a parking lot, and they're everything from butchering fish to prepared foods uh, to tofu, All the herbs, long beans, uh, most of it's grown in people's backyards. And then behind that, (laughs) one of the most Vietnamese moments I've had um, in America, there's a coffee shop. um, In typical Vietnamese fashion, all the women are out in the lot uh, selling things and doing the work and making money. And you go into this coffee shop in the back behind this lot, this uh, area where the farmers market takes place. All the men are in there smoking cigarettes, watching Vietnamese TV, and drinking uh, Vietnamese coffee. It's so incredibly authentic to Vietnam, it's kind of mind blowing. That's I go there every. It's hard to get up and get out there because it's over by eight o'clock. So you got to get up and go, but it's really a lot of fun.
4: Hmm. So it sounds like some of the my father, immigrant from from Italy, the the Italian clubs used to be the same way the guys would be inside drinking their coffees and playing sculpa whatever card games that they were playing and then the women would be in the other room talking and chit-chatting and and we
0: talk about like a social club thing like, like a
4: social club type yes same thing coffee house yeah, type exactly. uh, where everybody yeah. talked about you know what was going on and uh, who needs work the neighborhood and, gossip yes for yes, sure. yes for sure well chef thank you very much for joining stuff. us today Uh, If you'd like to give us some social media and uh, promote your book and the publisher of your book.
0: Yeah, it's with Avery. It's called Seeking the South. Um, I'm at Robbie Newton on Instagram. And thank you for your interest. That was really nice to to be on your show. I appreciate it.
4: Thank you, Rob, for being on there, Chef.
0: All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. That
4: was interesting.
1: So maybe Beth can help me out with this, because I was talking to a couple last night, and uh, they were from the South, and they asked me, they were visiting Philly, and they asked me, like, what is Philly's uh, dessert? Cannolis. You think it was cano Yeah. I
3: hate to say it, but yeah.
1: I couldn't think of anything, like, that was, like, specifically Phil and first, they were going, like, Philadelphia cream cheese. Was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Like, that isn't <laughs> no, even... Philly's is known for
3: cannolis just because of the Italian, of the Italian. pastries, or, or, like, you know, rum cake, or... But specific it's, everybody it's, goes for a cannoli, but they come for a cheesesteak or a cannoli.
1: That's yeah, because because we were we were talking, like I said, they were from the south, and like you can think of like a dozen southern desserts, absolutely like beignets, key lime pie, yes. like all these things, and I yes, most of the things I could think of here were Where's, like. We're, we're, we're like we're Amish, like you know, like the the, the Amish fly, is big, Am- obviously.
3: Like you the,
4: know. Chess, the pecan the pie, chess, yeah. and shoe
5: and fly pie. And, yeah. and it just goes to the multiple cultures that we have in Philadelphia that are just intermingled. Right, you can't pinpoint. You can't pinpoint mm-hmm. a dessert in Philadelphia because we just have a little bit of everything.
3: You know what? I I just want to say this because I have to.
5: Yeah, go ahead, Beth. I'm are you a, gonna stop You here? know,
3: I love food, and I go to every city that I possibly can and eat all over. And, you know, people here know food, and Jim does great work. I just love everything he makes and posts, but he never brings me samples. (laughs) I don't want to talk too much and Uh. give him a big head, but (laughs) Philadelphia food scene is so dynamic right now, and it's almost to the point that no one has to haggle about business. No one has to be hurtful to each other, which I hope they never are. This is the time where chefs need to come together and bounce ideas and bounce customers off of each other because everybody is so individually specific that every each and every restaurant has its own identity so no one's going to try to rock that or jump on it or try to you know jock your style so to speak that's exactly
1: right that's exactly it's a hundred
3: percent i mean i've always given to like there's haters i get it but you got to fall in love with the food and why you're there and what you built your career on.
1: I really ever see any ugliness like, like, like rivalry. Never. It's, it's, not you know.
3: anymore. It's no. just because like if you there could be five Italian restaurants on the same street, but they're specific in their own light, and people go to them specifically for something,
5: right?
1: Well, so
3: that you can't get anywhere
5: else. To, to that point, I get asked a lot: um, Where should I go and eat? And you
3: can't even answer. You it can't anymore. answer
5: that in Philadelphia. I can go to another city and I can tell you what the best restaurant is and I can ask people. But in Philadelphia, you can't answer the question properly until you get to know the person. So you have to sit down and you have to say, well, what are you looking for? What do you like to eat? What block are you You standing on right now? Yeah, right. (laughs) What corner are you at? You know
3: what my answer is? Anytime everybody texts me or calls me and says, where should I go to eat? What's your price point?
1: Yeah, Because
3: I have restaurants that I absolutely love, but it's within a price point. You, you know, no, no, I mean? I like agree. It's from, I'm not going to say it. You can my spend twenty
4: dollars for a great meal, for four or five hundred dollars exactly. for exactly. for another great meal.
3: Exactly. I think it's all about price point, how much you want to spend at that time. You want to BYOB, you don't. You want a great cocktail. You want, you know, it's not always just the cuisine anymore. It's the experience.
5: And to tag on to what you were talking about, years ago, everybody always talked about the New York chef that's coming to Philadelphia or or whatever, but Nowadays, you go to New York, and they're ecstatic, and they're advertising the hell out of anybody coming from Philadelphia You're right. coming into New yeah, York. Philadelphia. about Philly
3: yeah. cooks staying in yep. Philly, and I like it.
5: So <laughs> we yeah. sort yeah. of yeah. like flip the paradigm yes, of where the good food is yeah. and what the perception is. Philadelphia's come a long way with the food scene. and We, uh, we have extremely. some great,
1: and, and Beth is one of them, some great female chefs in Philly. Yes, some amazing ones. I worked under um, Chef Barb Romeo at Grubhouse for a while. Um, there's uh, Doreen, um, uh, I can't remember her last name, but she, uh, uh, she, she's uh, at Hungry Pigeon. Uh, there's great. Yeah.
4: We have Chef Barbie DeMarco, Marshall. Barbie DeMarco, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Barbie We're, Marshall. Chef
1: Barbie um, Marshall. Is. Jen Zavala. You could just do a whole list of just uh, the female chefs in philadelphia that are, are killing it here um and it's it's, it's pretty cool
3: thanks for the shout yeah, out definitely you're- i have one one other thing to say that jim had mentioned about that he was not educa- edu- educationally currently trained and nor am i <laughs> so i've been in the business 25 years if you have a passion and you have and you know you got the balls really to just yeah. jump in and take it I always strive for an education for children, but sometimes you gotta follow your heart. You just can't always follow the book.
4: Right. Right. Well, I'm sure you had mentors that helped you. Absolutely, do. some of the best and in the city. city. Yeah. yeah,
1: I know yeah. that when I worked at uh, when I first started at Royal Boucherie, they they do the real French kitchen and they have the names like the Garmage and I, yes. and uh, things like that. And I kind of like they said oh, you're going to be on Garmage tonight. I'm like yes. And then I went in the back and I Googled what <laughs> Garmage meant and then went back and. and
3: I still do it, Jim. <laughs> Don't yeah. let me lie. Thank,
4: thank God for Google. Right, Google, there's,
1: YouTube. I, I, I would. So I would a lot you
4: awesome can learn. To have you can learn from there. I mean, I've learned how to do some basic cooking from, from YouTube, and it uh, th- th- makes your meals turn out so much better.
1: How to turn a coffee machine on, you know. <laughs> sometimes. Plug it
4: in first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised uh, how many times we get calls and, machine don't work. Is it plugged in? <laughs> what, why? You, you don't think it's I would simple check? simple stuff. All right. Call me back in 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you know, Ring, mm-hmm. ring. It's okay now. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. It just came on. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't plugged in.
3: Yeah,
1: exactly.
4: <laughs> so, you know, I, I always try to help people over the phone as well for uh, for service work when uh, when they call. So I I I don't like to go out and, and gouge people for. For stuff that could be done over the
1: phone right. to help them out, you're like IT for coffee. Basically, so turn it <laughs> yeah, on yeah. and off yeah. again. And yeah. everybody yeah. needs coffee. Yeah. Yes, they do. Thank God for <laughs> That's that. That's the problem. If their coffee machine's not working, they're they're probably like already like kind of frazzled. Yeah. So
4: now I know you're in uh, the the new Borscht building. In the Borscht building, yeah. How's the, the the renovations of it?
1: It's good. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful. I mean, people walk in, and you see them taking pictures because it's very yeah. spacious and uh, and. Uh, just a beautiful building and they've done a decent job getting you know everybody in and and uh bringing them bringing the people in it it, it takes a while i mean we're uh, the, i guess the initial idea was oh we're going to be like the new reading terminal market and we're we're definitely not at that level yet but um we're getting there and and uh, there's some interesting i think the the the, the draw of the bourse right now is we just have interesting food it's not just the your standard food court fare we have a, a a filipino place uh we have uh we do actually. Uh, uh, we do southern. We do uh, at Grubhouse House. We do like breakfast, but with like a southern uh, t- twist to it. Uh, I was going to bring up uh, pimento cheese to the the uh, uh, chef we had on earlier because people don't know what that is here, and like we, it's like a southern cheese, and and uh, people love it. I don't think I've ever had pimento cheese. It's, it's like a spicy. It's great. Like, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's like it's like a cheddar. Yeah, i will bring it to you I'll, next. You know what? I I didn't, uh, I I got off work it. early today, and I if I had come coming straight from work, I would have brought a bunch of stuff, but I had to go first.
3: Lies. But, he don't bring he don't uh, bring biscuits. I ate That's
5: it all. Lies. I'm sorry. You got to put it on a burger.
3: <laughs> pimento on a burger.
1: We do we do a pimento
5: uh, bacon burger. It's good. But Jim's exactly right. The um. The Bourse Market was, is sort of this idea of the Reading Terminal Market, but closer to all the historic stuff, and it has a more of an international feel. But it's also a little more upscale, so it's not competing against that Reading Terminal Market. But it's a great place for you to go if you're an in independent small uh, visiting the historic sites, and you know it's got that international feel to it. So Philadelphia gets a lot of international visitors. And now we finally have a place to put them and feed them.
4: Yeah, was, I haven't been in the Bourse building since it's been redone. I used to go in there when before it was when it was all open in the center. Right. From what I understand, now the center is
1: center's block. Yeah, there's like a there's a bar there. Bar. The best thing about the Boris for for us at Grubhouse is that we are kind of tied. It's it's so hard to get a liquor license, and we are tied into their liquor license, so we can sell uh, cocktails and mm-hmm, beer. That's Good. On their, you know, on their dime, yeah. kind of, and you know, which is, it's just great. They have, you know, they have a uh, Bluebird Distilleries in there. We have a a, a tap, uh, beer taps with about like forty different taps. So it's 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 cool. It's a place to go, and especially now that it's getting colder, it's it's indoors, and it's almost like a uh, you know one of the outdoor beer gardens, but it's inside.
4: Now the uh, the grub house that's in mm-hmm. the Boris building. Yeah, they just do breakfast.
1: Lunch. We, we 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 do breakfast all day, which I, I think McDonald's has proven that that's what the people want. But we also, I mean, we also realize that you know we have to do other things too we, so we do some burgers we do chicken sandwiches we do wings and things like that we have to be careful too because the bourse also you know you don't want to step on other vendors toes so if there's a if there's a burger place in the bourse, we don't want to be you know like promoting burgers to like take away from them, from and, them. You know, and the same thing what beth was talking about we're, we're trying to help each other we're not rivals We're you know as long as people are coming into that building everyone's going to do well i can see that
4: um yeah, I was. I was wondering. I was going to ask you how that with the outside vendors, the, the competing against them. Yeah, I mean in, we're all in friends. The beginning like, of it. Yeah, yeah. we're
1: all friends. Like like I said, like they're like they do kind of like want you to kind of like Santa Claus this time of year stay in our lane. Um, so, you know, we do serve chicken sandwiches and wings, and there is a chicken place. So, we, we have to be careful not to like over promote things. And, you know, and, and we're, but uh, it's, it's okay. Like uh, Mighty Melt, which is the uh, the the uh, grilled cheese place, they do breakfast sandwiches, and we don't have a problem with that. that so, it's, you know, everybody gets along there. It's fine. That's good. good. Um, Beth, do you have anything to say?
3: Well, I have a beer coming out this holiday season. Oh, a beer? Heard about this. Yes. Is this the fact? Like, do. So a lot of people that follow me know that I have a fig tree in my backyard. Yeah. South Philly fig tree. Yeah. So I had like an ultimate amount of figs, believe it or not, that got produced every year. And I just would give them out or I would make jams or whatever. Fig cello. Fig, well, I'll give it to you. You can make a uh, fig cello. Mm, yeah. So this year I decided to team up with my friends from Lunacy Brewery. So I have – we did a little test run. So it's going to come out during the holiday season. It's called Fig E. Puddin'. So Biggie it's a fig-based stout. So check out Lunacy Brewery. Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah. And when, when I had to do something, mean, something with it. I mean, how many figs can that people might eat?
1: That be yeah, the true. best thing you can do with it. I think. Yeah. Fig eat.
3: But beer? South Philly on tap. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when did you say that was going to be coming out?
3: It um, we're go- we did a little test run, but it's going to come out near Christmas. Like be, you know, right yeah. after Thanksgiving, and how, how
1: would you? How would one go about getting that?
3: Oh, you could go to <laughs> Lunacy Brewery. Oh, it's in Jersey, so it's right over the bridge. It's accessible to anywhere. They have ample parking. It's a really cool spot. Their beer itself is fantastic, yeah. and it's a really cool little you, you know. Brewery.
4: It, yeah, would you consider that like a dessert beer?
3: Not necessarily. No, I mean, would you? It's not that sweet. You, I don't think. But
4: burger, or chicken.
3: I you know what? It kind of to me. It kind of goes with anything, really. I mean, it's it's heavy enough to pull its own weight for something simple, but it's also more drinkable to, you know, eat with a burger or anything like that.
1: It's changed. I think things you have know? changed, too. They used to say, like, oh, no, you don't you don't drink stouts in the summer and, and things like that. It's but almost I, like
3: drinking red wine with fish. Yeah, Get over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, if you're going yeah. Yeah. to I drink, you're drinking what drink what whatever. I'll whatever. drink Honey Jack with fish. It doesn't <laughs> <Sure>. matter. <laughs>
5: <laughs> there, there are so many new breweries, and they're coming up with so many different concoctions. that You would think do not work, and they work. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I it's crossed
3: a, my fingers on that one.
5: <laughs> it's, it's 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 an interesting concept.
1: Fakes. Yeah. Beer. I mean, they,
4: they make chocolate beer. I
1: mean, how? I actually said yes to it before she even got the entire yeah sentence <laughs> he out. He did.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> what to be the, 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 the sample?
1: The, well, it's just like that. It's going to be good. Like, yeah, definitely.
3: It's like it's the seasonal, you know what I mean? It, it's got all the spices and that whole f- seasonal feel. So it would be great for yeah. just a winter, a winter beer. What,
4: what kind of fig is it? The, the red fig inside, the white?
3: It's fig? it's a, like a pinkish. It's more of a white fig.
4: White fig? Yeah. White and white. Good. You know, there's four different types of figs.
3: Yes, I know.
5: Okay. No,
3: don't, just, don't start confusing me. I didn't, I didn't go to school. Just, just Leave just me alone. You. Just <laughs> testing you,
5: Donato. Is Google? <laughs> just testing you.
3: The Fig Master
5: he googled it
1: he did I own, he's
3: googling it right now nobody sees it i don't <laughs> know fig newton
1: so i'm not i wasn't sure about i
3: think you and i should tag team to make our own fig newton <laughs> quite frankly oh, yeah. they're my favorite cookie
4: well bill you're awful quiet over there i tried not to be you're failing miserably <laughs> <laughs> no but uh so bill what else do uh um uh, and D radio have in the future,
5: which way are they going to expand, do you think? Well, right now we're uh, putting a lot of local podcasts on. So we're sort of seeing who makes it and who doesn't. Um, a lot of the local podcasters sometimes quit after a year. Um, so we're sort of getting that lineup together, starting to figure out what the individuals uh, in the city want to listen to, what interests people. I think in the future, though, we've started to brand uh, My Philly Dish, which will be our own podcast. And it's sort of going to incorporate smaller podcasts in a 15-minute period. So we're talking with individuals and some of the chefs in the city and seeing who wants to be part of it and give them sort of like a 10, 15-minute spot, and then we move on to the next thing. Uh, And we're sort of going to slowly build a show based off of – Four or five segments that sort of flow together.
3: Awesome.
4: Yeah, it was fifteen minutes. is hard to fill sometimes. <laughs> um, Jim, I don't think I asked you about your social media, how way of people contacting you, or.
1: I mean, I don't really have much to promote, but I, I mean, my uh, Instagram and um, Twitter is uh, Jimmy Trash Talk, and Instagram <laughs> and that and. Let me tell you, I got that. I did that for my email years ago when I didn't give give a darn, uh, and I was like into fantasy football, and I thought this is a great uh, email address. And then like now I have to go on. Recently, had to go on job interviews and things like that, and it's less (laughs) funny when you're like sitting across from like a fancy chef at the at the Four Seasons, and you they ask you what your email is, and you're like "Uh, Jimmy Trash (laughs) Talk. Um, and I could and, and so getting into a little bit. Um, I do these uh, story slams. Uh, it's a organization called First Person Arts. It's a, a nonprofit organization, and uh, once a month they do these shows where there's a theme, and you can go and and you can whether go and watch or you can go and sign up to to tell tell your story. And this is something that I do, and I think I think it's important if a, to get if you're. It's, it's a way to like release things to just get your stories out there and you can do it through And I've done it through writing and now I'm doing it through uh, on the stage and uh, they're usually once a month at different venues, uh, World Cafe Live and, and things like that. It's uh, first person art so I definitely check them out and look into it.
4: Uh, Stan you also are with Dining on a Dime so, um, with, um Yeah uh, Bill mentioned Kevin.
1: earlier Dining on a Dime uh, that started uh, that's another one of these things where hey uh, let me try a podcast but uh, we uh, Kevin and John from Dining on a Dime had eaten at Grubhouse and asked us, uh, myself and uh, the owner, Jim Lord, to come on the show and that just turned into me being on the show every week. Because you're <laughs> <laughs>
4: I Must have enjoyed uh, what you do and, and how you present
1: it. And the, and I pay them too. No, yeah. I do not. <laughs> what do you mean? We're not
5: getting paid for that? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, we didn't tell you? What what an awakening. Those two guys just ask for a sandwich every (laughs) once in a while.
1: I do. I have to. bring. Right? uh, That
3: was payment enough.
1: I owe you guys a sandwich. I do. But um, yeah, no, like, yeah, they tell me to bring some food every once in a while. And I guess that's good enough for them. Oh, of course. (laughs)
4: Uh, I've seen John eat.
1: And it's a. Uh, this is the room where we do it in, and and uh, these chairs are. You, you know that they're really fortified. If you if you <laughs> like that, that might be the heaviest podcast team uh, in the country. I, I agree a hundred percent.
4: No, but uh, no, they're very good guys, and I've no, I've known them for a little bit of time now, and uh, I know they s- uh, started a new format with the dining on a dime, and I hope that's going very well for you.
1: It's, it's going well so far. He's, we're putting we're putting on YouTube and things like that. So uh, we're we're trying to get out there.
4: Yeah, YouTube's a good market to to advertise in. Um,
3: How much uh, time we got? We could do a skit if you need it.
4: <laughs> okay, have give us a joke.
3: <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> it. go on, Jimmy, hand it over.
4: Um, so Beth, I also understand that you were on a, another Food Network show. Chefs and cons?
3: Cooks versus cons. That's yeah. the one that's that what I you're did. Talking about? Yeah, that's the one I did for Food Network. Oh, ah, okay. Cake House Media was the actual person who came uh, up with it. That and Faker Baker. So once we did the show for that, then it flipped over and then um it turned into a Food Network show. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. I was
4: confused. Yes. But uh so now you're beer, cater, cook, pastry chef. What you don't do, Beth? Not much. How do you do? You sleep at all?
3: No, I don't. That's the question everybody asks. Do I sleep? Yeah. If I get four good hours, I'm good.
4: Yeah, but you don't have no bags under your eyes or anything.
3: No, right? I try to look good. Listen, yeah. the more I eat caviar, the filler of my lines, my, my wrinkles <laughs> get filled in, so I'm good. Can
1: you explain like what the uh, you were with the Wizard of Oz this year yes. for Halloween? And oh my all your God. friends. It was like a, it was like a whole group yes. costume. Yeah. It was pretty cool.
3: Every year we go to the Henry David Bowl. And every year we go, we pick one theme, and then we just really, everything we do is handmade. This year we were Philly Oz. Philly but, Oz. Like I was the wizard. I was part munchkin, part mummer, and the Wizard <laughs> of Oz with the yellow brick road Genius. and the big back piece and all that. But each one of the girls, like who was the Phillies, who was the love sign, who, the pretzel, okay. the eagles, and um, Betsy Ross. So it was kind of it was really, really great. It was our best – well, I think every year is our best year, but it was it was awesome. But thank you for that.
4: Is it, what does the – the party's a contest or – It
3: is. It's a contest. Yeah. Um, the gentleman, he's – I actually went to one of his events 25 years ago. This is our fourth year together doing this together. Uh, but um, he's been – I think it's like 30, 30 years that he – or next year's 30 years that he's been doing it. So it's a big Halloween contest. So if you're looking for a spot to do on Halloween, it's definitely the place to go.
4: And where's it located?
3: It's a, it, it ch- changes like hotels, but this year they changed the name of the hotel. It was the Sheridan, but now it's.
1: Yeah, okay. you could put it on a waiting list, or no, you it, could just buy text. a ticket. Is is it is it always a group thing, or can you just no?
3: Go you go and individual, go yourself, and I'm yeah. telling you, the people like really go out go out with their <laughs> costumes.
4: And what's the, I know what's we what's do. The event called again?
3: It's called the um, the Henry David Ball.
1: David Ball, let's write that down.
3: Yeah, it's awesome
1: you want to do something next year?
5: Or? Well, <laughs> well, Lenny and Squiggy? Or- <laughs> there have been a, a lot of Halloween-themed events this, this year. Um, I, I don't know what it is about this year, but uh, we got enough events that I think we had like 20 different adult-themed events in Philadelphia yeah. that we were able to list.
3: It's just a fun thing. Many. I just think that wh- whoever is doing the events in Philadelphia for the last couple years— are really doing a great job trying to promote the city, make it look a little different, make it more family friendly friendly, but also more adult themed, more at nighttime. And there's a lot more things to do, like the the jack-o'-lantern the jack-lantern deal that you with all the pumpkins and then you know, during Christmas time you got the ice skating ring, the roller skating ring during the summer. I think it's just great. Philly's just popping.
5: Yeah, the the events have really built up in the last two or three years. Um it's we've now become a a town of of just multiple things to do, uh, places to go, a lot of new restaurants opening up. You know,
4: I think a lot of people realize how affordable Philadelphia is as a city compared to you know, New York or Chicago or some of those other bigger so the other cities that are around us. Um, so it's it's a great place to raise a family. The school
5: system is good. Uh, it's getting better all the time. With the, the People are well, getting better. Yeah. Even yeah. South Philly. Um, I'm amazed that um, East Passyunk was always the place to go, and it's now filled. There's no place to rent. Yeah. Yes. So they're now moving over to West Passyunk. Yeah. yeah. And nobody would have ever thought that West Passyunk could possibly become a food. I grew for up food. on
3: that West Side. Yeah. Let me tell you, every corner.
5: Mm-hmm. You, you can't have touch it. there. You have uh, Cafe Con Chocolate moved down yeah, there. Sweet, um, yeah. yeah. They're starting to move into these areas that before were not well-known.
4: Okay. Um, all right. Well, it's time to wrap it up, boys and girls. If anybody wants to give their social media for last time before we close, Beth.
3: Jimmy, you want to go first?
5: Just just tipping Jimmy trash talk. You just find us a Philly bite.
3: <laughs> Chef Beth01 on Instagram, Beth Esposito, and Pink Garlic on Facebook, and Phil, Pink Garlic Beth. Dot and, um, and also, I'd like to give a shout out to our Philadelphia mummers that they always, always march with the proudness that they showed everywhere.
4: Donato Marino at DNL Coffee Service. You can find us on Facebook. And always, we end our show with a joke from Jack, the Joke Man Martin Lynn of Howard Stern. A cannibal's walking along with his son when a beautiful girl goes running past him. The kid says, Hey, Pop, let's eat her. His father says, no, let's bring her home
2: and eat your mother. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jackie Martling, and this is Small Bites. My autobiography, The Joke Man, bow to stern, being released October 24th. Buy one now in pre-sale. Go to (laughs)
3: JackieTheJokeMan.com.